When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome to Monster, DC Sniper, a production of iHeartRadio and Tenderfoot TV. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the podcast author or individuals participating in the podcast and do not represent those of iHeartMedia, Tenderfoot TV, or their employees. Listener discretion is advised. September 5th, 2002, Clinton, Maryland. About a month before the DC Sniper attacks began, and two months before investigators found Paul LaRufa's laptop in the sniper's car, LaRufa was ambushed. It's pretty amazing that you go from just an ordinary routine to all of a sudden you're part of this crazy thing that happened that's one of the largest manhunts in history. At the end of a long, busy day, he closed down his family restaurant with a couple of friends. He put the day's earnings in a bank bag and wished his friends good night. I locked up the restaurant, set the alarm. We all walked to our cars. I got in uh, the driver's side, shut the door, and before I could do anything, the window to my left exploded. Central is emergency 911 center. There's been a shooting at Fort Wayne Restaurant. 9009 Stewart Lane. Send help immediately. Oh, God. You the one who got shot? No, ma'am. It was the owner. 
I think you got shot and robbed. I heard the gunshot. Hey, like, this was the robbery and the shooting? Yes, sir. Okay. Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Oh, he's not dead. That's the ambulance and the police officer on the way. Who did this? I, I have no idea. I couldn't tell from the back. I okay. was a black jacket, black backpack, and a black cap. What type of weapon was used? All I heard was gunshot. I don't know if he's hurt or not. I, I took off. Five shots came in the window. They all hit me. It went from a tremendous sound that deafened my left ear. Then, within seconds, it became incredibly quiet. I didn't have time to blink, let alone see anything. All I saw was a flash of light, and and that was it. I was bleeding out of my chest and my upper back, lower neck, because one of the shots hit me from that angle. So I leaned on the horn to just attract anybody who would be around and leaned on it and leaned on it. And then I opened the door. I was able to get out of the car and stand up. And one of the guys that I left with was walking towards me. He was dialing his cell phone. Uh, hi. Uh, 911, uh, I'm at Marcellinas on Stewart Lane in Clinton, Maryland. I need an ambulance right here. A uh, uh, guy came out from behind the store and uh, and shot Paul LaRufa, and, uh, Hurry up, oh, and please. he's bleeding. Uh, um, All right, the person that you're talking to, are they in a car? Uh, no, he was in the car. He's standing, but he's outside the car. Hurry up! Uh, right, don't have him stand. Try to get him to sit down and not move around. Paul, can you sit in the car? I'm not going to be but he says you should sit down and not move around. All right, but I don't want to die here. The pressure of the blood inside me was collapsing my lungs. I didn't know that's what was happening. All I know is that I was suffocating. They said they were going to get a helicopter, but then the helicopter was too far away, so they, they were just sending regular EMTs, and they did. They, they got there, got me in, into the ambulance, I was really having trouble breathing, and uh, I just had the feeling we weren't going that quickly. So I would say, how much longer, how much longer? And they said, not, not that much longer. Finally, we got to the hospital, and there was a team there ready, and they uh, rolled me into the emergency room and just basically did exactly how you see it on TV. There were four, five, six people around me just doing what they had to do to save my life. They got me into surgery and for six or seven hours, picked out as many of the bullet fragments as they could and and sewed me up and, uh, and uh, saved my life. So that's what happened the first night. And then I spent just about an, another week in the hospital. I was three days on a breathing machine in intensive care because uh, I, I couldn't breathe. So after that, they tested and took me off and it was still tough, but I could, I could breathe on my own. After about a week, I said I really wanted to go home and they said, okay. So I, I left the hospital with a uh, contraption for my left arm the most lasting physical effect of one of the bullets was that it severed a nerve in my arm. I could close my hand, but I wasn't able to open it again. So they had therapists that designed and made a brace-type thing for my hand. 
It had rubber bands on it, and it would spring back and pull my fingers apart and open my hand. I actually had that on about a year before the nerve grew back and gave me function in my left hand. And to this day, it's not 100%, but anyway, that was the lasting physical effect. Of course, I went through tremendous mental effect of it, starting with the first night I was in the hospital. I had flashbacks that were incredible. You literally relive it. If you've ever had a nightmare where you're scared or somebody's chasing you, it's that times 10, because you really relive it. You hear it. Your ears hear that sound, and you feel it, and uh, it's just terrible. It's, it's horrible. You can't turn it off. You can't make it stop. It just happens. It happened every night. I was shot September 5th. They didn't catch them till October 24th. So for at least that time and probably a little more, I had that flashback all the time. So that was hard. And then it began to wane and lessen, mostly, I think, because they were caught. After they were caught, they found my computer and they put the whole thing together. Mohammed's ex-wife lived right down the road from the restaurant. There is a ruthless person on the loose. What unnerves this community the most is the randomness of the murders. Ordinary people doing ordinary things. They killed the five people in one day and then went on the rampage for the next month. It is quite a mystery. The police say they have never had a crime quite like this. Be careful. These guys are using weapons that are going to go right straight through our bulletproof vests. There's a white van just went by with two guys in it. From iHeartRadio and Tenderfoot TV, this is Monster, DC Sniper. Following Muhammad and Malvo's arrest on October 24th, investigators wondered whether others were involved in planning the attacks. And they were also trying to solve one of the biggest mysteries in the case. What was the motivation? That question would become increasingly important as they prepared for the upcoming trials. Muhammad and Malvo had been brought to Montgomery County and interviewed. Muhammad initially talked, saying he was innocent, but then quickly asked for his lawyer. Malvo refused to speak at all. So investigators turned to evidence from the Blue Caprice. Forensics from the Bushmaster they found in the car matched bullets from the shootings. They found LaRufa's laptop, which led them to his shooting and they began retracing Muhammad and Malvo's steps using other evidence they found in the car, like receipts and phone cards. And investigators unraveled a whole new string of crimes. They didn't have a car. They had come across country by buses and hitchhiking. What they did was they took the money that was in my bank bag. They got about $3,600 in cash, which financed their whole operation. They went to Jersey and bought the car. From Clinton, Maryland, Muhammad and Malvo traveled up to Trenton, New Jersey. DMV records showed that on September 10, 2002, John Muhammad paid $250 to purchase the Blue Caprice from a dealership called Sure Shot Auto Sales. Reportedly, when Muhammad looked at it in the lot, he asked the dealer to open the trunk and then climbed inside. And there was a strange incident the next day on September 11, 2002 
the first anniversary of the terror attacks. While Muhammad registered the car in Camden, the DMV building received a bomb threat. Muhammad finished the registration just a few minutes before the building was evacuated. It's still unclear if Muhammad or Malvo were involved with the bomb threat or if it was just a strange coincidence. After buying and registering the car in New Jersey, Muhammad and Malvo headed south. Prepaid phone cards found in the Caprice show that by the next night, September 12th, they were back in the D.C. area. Outside a shopper's food warehouse in Alexandria, Virginia, they used one of these phone cards to place a call to Antigua. Then, two nights later on September 14th in Montgomery County, Maryland, a liquor store employee, Rupender Oberoi, was locking up the store when he heard a loud crack. Oberoi was shot. 911, what's your emergency? I'm calling again to report that someone apparently has gotten shot in the Hillendale Shopping Center by Safeway. Three ambulances have passed right by. One is across the street. I've said it each time, and other people are calling, too. They're driving right by, and this man has been laying on the sidewalk. Ultimately, Oberoi survived the attack. A witness nearby reported seeing an old car pull out of a parking space and drive away. The witness told police about it, but the officers were perplexed. Oberoi hadn't been robbed and didn't seem to have any enemies. After arresting the snipers and retracing their movements, police now suspect that the snipers had shot Oberoi. Investigators tried to analyze bullet fragments from the crime, but the pieces weren't large enough to make any comparisons. And without firearm forensics, it was hard to prove. The very next night, on September 15th, another attack took place at a liquor store. This one in Prince George's County, just miles from Paul LaRufa's restaurant and Mildred Muhammad's home. It was raining as Muhammad Rashid locked up the store. He heard a loud sound and saw two bullet holes appear in the glass door in front of him. He turned and saw a young man holding a pistol. The man fired a third shot and he felt a bullet enter his abdomen. Rashid realized he was being robbed, so he made a split-second decision to drop down and play dead. Rashid says the attacker rolled him over and rifled through his pockets. The attacker grabbed his wallet and then walked away. Rashid waited anxiously until he thought the man was gone. Then he called 911 from his cell phone. Oh, ma'am, I am dying. For one piece, I was going for somebody. Oh, fire me. Have you been shot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my belly stomach. One, three, seven, zero, four, body, one, door. Oh, my. I'm going to help you, okay? Do you know who shot you? No, 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 I am. Okay. Oh, man. Somebody there with you? Nobody. Okay, okay. I want you to sit down. I want you to take your shirt off and put it tightly into the stomach where you were shot. Okay? Okay, man. I'm going to stay with you. What's your name? Muhammad. Hey, I'm going to stay in the line. We got somebody going to you right now. Did somebody rob you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Are you outside? Yeah. Your little please. Okay, we're going to help you. What's your cell phone number? Oh, ma'am, you're wasting time. Muhammad, I'm not the one going out. We've already got an ambulance going to you. I'm here with you, okay? Oh, listen to me. Take deep breaths and try to stay as quiet as you can. Okay, I'm right here with you. I'm not going to go anywhere. Oh, my God. Pardon me. Oh, my God. Okay, Muhammad, Muhammad, the person who shot you, white or black? Black. About how old? 
Rashid was treated and survived. Surgeons recovered the bullet from his abdomen and gave it to police. Investigators tested the round. It came back as being from the same pistol used in the LaRufa shooting, the silver revolver that investigators would later find in Alabama following the liquor store shooting there. On September 18th, three days after shooting Rashid, the snipers used a phone card to make a call from outside the Ponderosa Steakhouse in Ashland, Virginia the very same restaurant where they would later shoot Jeffrey Hopper as he walked through the parking lot with his wife. Then, another three days later, just after midnight on September 21st, Malvo and Muhammad were likely 500 miles southwest in the parking lot of a liquor store in Atlanta, Georgia. It was 12.16 a.m., and inside were two employees, Mimi Tadisi and Million Waldemarium, both Ethiopian immigrants. The store was closed, so they wondered why a car was idling in the parking lot. Reportedly, Waldemarium wanted to investigate. Tadisi was worried and told him not to go outside, but he did anyway. Seconds after Waldemarium walked outside, Tadisi heard three gunshots. Waldemarium had been shot twice in the upper back and once in the back of the head. He died in the hospital. It's unclear if the bullets from this shooting were ever analyzed forensically. Not even 24 hours later, Muhammad and Malvo were 150 miles southwest in Montgomery, Alabama, robbing the ABC liquor store, where they shot and killed Claudine Parker and wounded Kelly Adams. Two days after the Alabama shootings, Phone card records and receipts put the snipers in Muhammad's hometown, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. There, at 6.40 p.m., Hong M. Ballinger had just finished closing up the beauty shop where she worked. Ballinger had just reached her car. When she was shot in the head, she died almost instantly. Another employee who was also leaving saw a large, dark car pull out of a vacant lot and pick up a black man who had grabbed Ballinger's purse. Police found a bullet fragment embedded in Ballinger's side view mirror. It appeared to have come from a 223 rifle, but the case went cold. After the sniper's arrest, investigators reanalyzed the bullet fragment from the shooting, and they matched it to the sniper's Bushmaster rifle. Ballinger was a victim of the snipers, likely the last one before the snipers returned to Maryland and began their DC attacks. They'd likely killed three and injured four more in a span of 18 days, all before the spree in DC even started. But why did the snipers then switch from this pattern of parking lot robberies to seemingly random killings in DC? Although investigators were learning more about the scope of the snipers' attacks, their motive still remained a mystery. The only people who could really answer the question of why were Lee Boyd Malvo and John Muhammad. Investigators needed one of them to crack under questioning. 
The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Immediately after the sniper's arrest, a battle began brewing in the D.C. area, with attorneys fighting over where the sniper should be tried. On October 25, 2002, just the day after the snipers were arrested, Montgomery County Prosecutor Doug Gansler held a news conference before he even learned Malvo's age or last name. The Montgomery County Police Department will obtain an arrest warrant for the arrest of John Muhammad, age 41, and Lee Salvo, age 19, for six counts of first-degree murder. The decision to charge these cases in Montgomery County, Maryland, was reached after in-depth consultation with local, state, and federal law enforcement officials. Montgomery County was the community most affected and most impacted by the sniper shootings. The investigation began, ended, and was centered here in Montgomery County. The feds were furious, sources say, as local prosecutor Doug Gansler walked to the microphones late today to announce that Montgomery County is filing the first charges in the sniper case. Federal prosecutors privately accused Gansler of breaking an agreement not to file charges until the feds decide if they want to take over the case. In unusually harsh language, one federal official accused Gansler of, quote, exploiting this tragedy for political purposes. So how did the sniper case 
cracked only yesterday. Up to now, a model of cooperation between Chief Moose, the FBI, and ATF. How did it unravel so fast? With prosecutors engaged in an unseemly fight over who gets the first crack at convicting them. Two weeks later, on November 7th, U.S. Attorney General John Ashcroft announced where Malbo and Muhammad would first be tried. For 23 days in October, our communities lived in fear. Innocent victims from Maryland, Virginia, the District of Columbia, Alabama, and Louisiana have paid the ultimate price. It is appropriate, it is imperative, that the ultimate sanction be available. I have instructed the U.S. Marshals Service to transfer custody of John Allen Muhammad to Prince William County, Virginia. I have also instructed the Marshals to transfer custody of a juvenile to Fairfax County, Virginia. Right after his arrest, Muhammad had talked briefly with detectives, then clammed up and asked for his lawyer. Now, with federal charges dropped and state charges pending, two new investigators took their turn at trying to get Muhammad to talk. You want to take the handcuffs off of you? May I please present it to you, please? Yeah, or tomato. Uh, salad with tomato. Okay, salad with tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And what else, sir? Onions. Onions, no. Okay. John, look, we're, we're not here to jam you up or anything like that, but certainly, uh, you know, we want to talk to you. Potatoes, beans, and rice with that. Potatoes, beans, and rice. Any particular kind of potatoes, how you want them fixed or anything? All right. Like I was telling you, Mr. Muhammad, <laughs> I understand that you've talked to attorneys and that they've told you not to say anything. There's been a lot of people who said that this was meaningless and senseless. But it had meaning. I believe it had meaning to you. And this may be your only opportunity to tell your story. Your lawyers are not going to put you on the stand because when your lawyer gets done asking you questions, you're going to be subject to cross-examination. They're not going to put you on the stand. You need to say what you can say in Lee's behalf now, John. Aside from his requests for food, John Muhammad just sat stone-faced in the interrogation room. Detectives knew that Muhammad and Lee Boyd Malvo weren't biologically related, but that he had often introduced Lee to friends as his son. So the detectives tried to use John's relationship with Lee to get him to talk. I would assume that since y'all were taken into custody that you have not talked to him. And I would imagine that's very difficult for you. He's alone. He's afraid. But as a father myself, I know pain that must cause you also. Not being able to reach him in his time of trouble when he needs your love more than he needs anything else. So if you don't do anything else here for yourself, do this for your son. Tell us the truth. Tell us what the meaning is behind this. Let's do some damage control here. And in some way, try and spare his life. Did Lee pull the trigger? Did Lee do any of the shootings? Now I can tell you what Lee's gonna do. Just based on what I know about kids and what I know about their love for their parents, to save his own life, that boy's not gonna say, it was all my daddy. It wasn't me. You know that in your heart. There's only one person that has any hope of saving his life, and that's going to be you. Because if you don't say anything, he's not going to say anything. And Lee's going to lose his life over this. 
John, they're going to make an assumption that Lee pulled the trigger. They're going to base it on the fact that that was a small area back there, and that in all likelihood, you were driving. Being more mature, you would be able to drive with more calm and care. All we want to know is the truth. And I don't want to see a 17-year-old kid put to death needlessly. At 17, he is not a man. He's a kid, and he's afraid, and he is alone. But the court's going to treat him like a man. There was one person, seemingly, and you know better than I do because you know the intimate details, there was one person who really seemed to care about him. And here you are. And he's not strong without you. And you know what he might do? He might say, I shot them all. He might say, my daddy drove and I shot because I was the smallest and I could fit back there. And what would happen if he says that is he most assuredly will be sentenced to death. And I can tell you something. You can take a kid who shot people in the head or maybe has watched people get shot for no reason. You can take a kid and teach him all of those tough, hard things. And he can do it. Just like in war. He can kill men. He can cut their throats and not lose a wink of sleep about it. But when it comes time to die, when he's wounded on the battlefield, when the game is over and he's facing death, he demonstrates loud and clear that he's a boy playing a man's game. You know why, John? Because that's when they cry and that's when they call for their mamas or their daddy. When he's in a man's prison, it's you he's going to want. When he lies on that rack at night crying, it's you he's going to think about. He played a man's game, but he's a boy, and he's your boy. That's got to touch you in your heart. He wasn't with his mama, or whoever his biological father was. He was with you. And you know something, John? This is harsh, but this is important. If you two are sentenced to death, I pray to God that they execute you before they execute him. Because I'm going to tell you something, John. They could be executed, and you could receive a stake for whatever reason. And then you would sit in prison for the rest of your life with him going on ahead of you. And you know what? That might not be as bad. He's 17 years old. Him spending the rest of his natural life in prison after you've made your peace with God, that could be the real hell for him. If you love him the way I think you love him, if you love him the way I love my children, it will tear your soul away from you. You will live hell on earth. Save his life if you don't do anything else. Do the right thing. Fix this thing. If you were on a sinking ship and there was one life jacket, I have no doubt in my mind that you would give it to Lee. You're on a sinking ship now. Give that kid a life jacket. Give him an opportunity to save himself because he's not going to do it unless you give him permission to do it. Because if it were me and my father, 
I wouldn't do it unless he gave me permission and forced me to take that life jacket. You can force him to save himself. And in saving him, save yourself from the potential of hell on earth. Let's just talk. John Muhammad refused to talk. But one county to the north in Fairfax, investigators were having better luck with Malvo. Malvo was brought to Fairfax County homicide at that point, which I was working with on the Linda Franklin case. My name is Brad Garrett. I'm a retired FBI agent, currently a crime and terrorism analyst. It certainly didn't have the flavor to me or many others that this was some terrorist event. Nobody was taking credit. There didn't seem to be any significance to the people that got shot. It seemed like they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time, mowing their yard, pumping gas. So it was hard to sort of imagine what the real motivation might be. You know, many shootings can be attributed to revenge, which may not actually be toward the people they are shooting. Some people call it displaced violence. So is that going on here? When Malvo was brought to Fairfax County homicide, myself and a homicide detective by the name of June Boyle interviewed him roughly starting at four o'clock in the afternoon till about midnight. Courts are closing at four. It really set up nicely for them. My name is Tom Walsh, partner at Petrovich & Walsh. My name is Mark Petrovich, also a partner at Petrovich & Walsh. Tom and I were two of the members of the team that represented Lee Malvo in the D.C. sniper case. At the time, in Maryland, you couldn't execute juveniles for the crimes they committed, but you could in Virginia. So they took him out of federal custody up in Maryland and transferred him over to Fairfax County. In the course of transferring him over, he did get an attorney appointed to him because he was a juvenile was actually outside the building, banging on the doors, trying to get in to meet with Lee before the police interrogated him. But he wasn't allowed in, and uh, the interrogation took place. They knew they were dealing with a young kid that was indoctrinated. They were going to be able to get him to spill the beans, and they were going to take advantage of it. This is FBI agent Brad Garrett again. June and I walk into basically an office, but everything's been removed except a desk and a couple of chairs. Malvo's smiling, and it, it's almost like he doesn't have a care in the world. You know, which told me that he felt like he's in control, that he has all of the information, and he has the power either to share it with us or not. June sat to his right, and I sat in front of him. I don't like talking to people from an angle, because one of the keys in getting people to talk is being able to get them to look at you and communicate with you, because... Despite the artificiality of interviewing somebody that's potentially committed multiple murders, you still have to develop a relationship with them. And so the first thing you typically always ask people is, how do they feel? How much have they slept? Do they need anything? Food, water, something to drink, etc. So we started talking a little bit about where he was raised and, you know, how did he end up in Antigua? And... He gradually gave us pieces of information, but not a lot. And so I'm sort of racking my brain as to how can I really get him to talk about something that he may care about or have an interest in. I'm not sure what got me to this point, but I started talking about movies. 
you know, 2002, there was a movie that had been out for a while called The Matrix. And I knew a lot of kids his age liked that movie. So I said, have you watched the movie The Matrix? And up to this point, he has not made eye contact. He sort of looked over me or around me, even though I was in front of him. And it was the first time he looked me in the eyes. And I thought to myself, well, at least I can maybe get him to connect with me at this point. We'll see how far this goes. So we started talking about the Matrix and what the Matrix meant. Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. After that discussion, June and I decided that we would sort of go, you know why you're here. We really like to talk to you about these shootings. And so what he basically did was he sort of just talked about pieces of information that occurred at these scenes. Here are Malvo's lawyers, Mark Petrovich and Tom Walsh. They got him talking. He admitted to some things. Then they read him his Miranda rights. So you're still okay with everything, right? We read you your rights. You're fine to talk to us without a term. You, you still want to talk to us? You don't mind talking to us? No, I'm not. They can no longer do that. It's now unconstitutional to conduct an interrogation that way. But at the time, it wasn't. It's what they called, legally, the cat out of the bag. And that was kind of a ploy. What they do is they get you talking, and then after you say statements, they read your rights, and then they go back and confirm what you said before to now say, oh, well, you've had your rights, and he confirmed these things. You mentioned earlier that the gentleman in the the Nassus, you saw him drop, right? And you knew he was dead. Mm -hmm. It wasn't illegal, and if you could see me, I guess I would air quote that. The way it was conducted wasn't illegal, but... Had Todd Pettit been able to get in, he would have advised Lee not to speak, and they would not have gotten the interrogation. Right. But there was none of that, and the statement came out. It was, uh, it was damning. The audio from the interview can be difficult to understand, and throughout it, Malvo laughed, made sound effects, and responded to questions with short, abrupt answers. You were all planned out ahead of time, so you knew each spot you were going to hit. In the gummy gun that first day? Saturday in the morning. Got it was lawnmower. Yeah. And two hours time, got four down. When you say people walk by you, you go out in the bushes, you become a part of the bushes. You go out in the grass, you become a part of the grass. If there's a 50-yard fence, uh-huh. I move it in two seconds. did you see the trooper? Yeah, I told you. I could have shot the trooper. So why didn't you? Because it wasn't that easy. Yeah. And you were going to keep killing until you got the money? Until you listened. But at some point you knew that we have to give you the $10 million? Mm-hmm. Yes? Yeah. You could try to cash me. Until you knew that shooting all these people was going to affect the economy and that we were going to have to pay $10 million. Huh? It's all a plan. You have to affect two things. You have to affect the environment, and you have to affect how they live. 
which is money. Mm-hmm. And you put that. This is all he's asking for? Give it to him. Give it to him. Did your targets matter whether it was male, female, or, you know, age? Nobody. Just to all of them get into that site. Yeah. Whatever it picked. I was just going out there shooting people. <laughs> Do you ever feel bad about any certain one? No. No? If you had to do over, you'd do the same thing? Huh? Yeah. If we hadn't have caught you, you'd still be doing it? We had the resources to keep going. You did? Yeah. When were you getting cash money? You planned for war. Before war. Was it your money or John's money? It was our money. You don't work in this unity. This unity does not pay. That's the essence of failure. Everyone has to be in one mind. I'll never slip and let me go. You know that someone like this loose? Are you out of your mind? I think they're going to kill me. What do you think? You take Alabama, Louisiana, and Virginia? Not bad. It doesn't scare you? You want to hang me? Okay. Shot me? Who's going to last her? Three minutes, five minutes, two minutes, So we went through that and got some pretty incriminating information. He did not give us all of the crimes that they committed, which you know clearly involved crimes in Louisiana and some other jurisdictions that we ultimately put together. But you know, we felt like that we at least had success because he got him to talk. Malvo didn't tell investigators about all of the shootings leading up to the spree in D.C., but of the shootings they discussed, he said that he had been the gunman for all of them and that Muhammad hadn't shot anyone. Here's Malvo's lawyer, Tom Walsh, again. He was still brainwashed at that time, so he was taking blame for all the shootings. He was basically trying to take everything on as a juvenile and save his leader, Muhammad. He was clearly protective of Muhammad was trying to implicate Muhammad in a very minimal fashion. So you could tell that there was some sort of close bond between the two of them. At the end of this interview, I said, what was the motivation? Why did you guys do this? And he looked at me and he says, well, it's all about the matrix. Where should I go look to understand all this? And I said, well, what does that mean? Is the answer in the movie? I mean, that doesn't mean anything unless I know what you think the Matrix, the movie, means. Then he just smiled. Part of Muhammad's indoctrination was to desensitize Lee to violence, to shootings, to the consequences of what happened. The Matrix and things of that nature were part of the indoctrination. Those are factors that needed to be explored. What did Malvo mean when he said that the explanation for the shootings could be found in the movie The Matrix? Investigators wondered if Muhammad had been radicalized and was committing an act of terror out of hatred for America. And then there was the demand for $10 million to be deposited on a bank card. Could it really all be about money?
The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. A day after Malvo's interview with police, the Washington Post published an interview with John Muhammad's ex-wife, Mildred. She had her own theory about John's motivation for the crimes. Do you know why he came to the area? He went to a father's rights group, told them I kidnapped the children. They did a skip trace on me, found me in the D.C. area, and told him, He went to his best friend, Robert. He said, I found Mildred. She's in D.C. I'm going to go get her. His best friend asked him, are you going to hurt her? He didn't say anything. The theory was he was killing innocent people to cover up my murder so he could come in as the grieving father, get custody of the children, and drive away. They probably would have named him Father of the Year for coming to get the children and raising them himself. That best friend called the FBI and said, I don't know anything about your case, but you may want to look at John Allen Muhammad. His ex-wife is in the area, and he may be there to hurt her. And I talked to Robert. I said, I am calling you 
to thank you for saving my life. You say, Mildred, let me tell you something, girl. John came there to kill you. I had to make a decision to call and report him or watch your name scroll under the TV that you've been killed. You say, Mildred, I would pay anything to have a beer with John right now. That's my boy. But I had to call them. He said, so don't get this twisted. Don't believe that $10 million madness. Mm-mm. He came there to kill you. Don't ever get that twisted. Mildred Muhammad thinks the random string of shootings was designed to disguise her murder. If John had just killed her, he would be the primary suspect. But if it looked like she was just another random sniper victim, maybe he would have gotten away with it. Mildred says that even though that plan sounds crazy, it's the sort of crazy plan that John would have come up with. After all, this was the same John who was ready to run away with Lindbergh, his son from his earlier marriage. The same John who kidnapped his kids from Mildred and took them all the way to Antigua. Washington Post reporter Josh White says, while it's hard to ever definitively know the motivation for a crime, Mildred's theory makes sense. Mildred has talked about how she believes she was the target, and I think that's plausible. All of those shootings create panic and get police occupied, and that it would have been very hard to connect her shooting to anything else, just like it was very hard to connect any of these other people together. It would have gotten him custody of the children, it would have gotten the problem he saw out of the way, but that didn't happen. Malvo has said that they parked outside where she was living, October 11th, my co-worker picked me up for work. She said, you know, there's a dark-colored Caprice or Impala outside your door, and I just get a bad feeling from that car. So, girl, don't worry about it. Let's just go to work. So we pass by the car. The driver looks at us, but the passenger has a newspaper, and he puts it up to cover his face. And I say, did you see that? She said, yeah, I did. I said, give me your phone, let me call the police. So I called the police. They said, okay, we'll send someone out there. Later they told me, John sent Lee to your door pretending to be a salesperson. And his instructions were, when you open the door to shoot you in the face, Ms. Muhammad, you opened the door. And for whatever reason, he walked away. We don't know the repercussions he suffered because he didn't kill you that day. Next time on Monster, DC Sniper. You know, it's hard enough working one murder to have these 13 shootings just in our area, let alone what else went around the country. We knew it was going to be a monumental task. Part of Muhammad's indoctrination was to desensitize Lee to violence, to shootings. There's no amount of psychological coercion that would force somebody to, let's say, kill if they didn't already have some kind of predisposition. I remember feeling just basically shock and disbelief that he could have done this. He just looks so innocent. How shocking. One of the most alarming moments was when Muhammad stood to represent himself. 
We had never heard from Muhammad at that point. Talk about weird events in your life. I was being questioned by the guy who tried to kill me. Monster DC Sniper is a 15-episode podcast hosted by Tony Harris and produced by iHeartRadio and Tenderfoot TV. Matt Frederick and Alex Williams are executive producers on behalf of iHeartRadio, alongside producers Trevor Young, Ben Kiebrick, and Josh Thane. Payne Lindsay and Donald Albright are executive producers on behalf of Tenderfoot TV, alongside producers Meredith Stedman and Christina Dana. Original music is by Makeup and Vanity Set. If you haven't already, be sure to check out the first two seasons, Atlanta Monster and Monster the Zodiac Killer. If you have questions or comments, email us at monster at iheartmedia.com or you can call us at 1-833-285-6667. Thanks for listening. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2 and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.